many of you have ever found yourself lost in the woods before? Come on, raise your hand. You've been lost in the woods. You know, uh, growing up in a family that loved the outdoors, I was always a young man who found himself not necessarily lost, but spending a lot of time. In fact, I would say most of my childhood was spent in the woods. I, in the woods, would dream of crazy scenarios and play different imaginary wars out in my mind and would build castles and forts. And I had the privilege of living in the woods. Um, my parents had built a house. It was over a ravine, and so they literally had built like a, a land bridge that you had to go across to get back into where our house was. And there was a ravine that... Uh, swung around the house on this side, but then on this side over here was, was a graveyard, an entire graveyard full of really cool and interesting things. And I loved going to, them, to uh, the different grave sites and looking for the ages of people and, and finding out which one was the oldest and all the different things. And, and that was my life. I remember growing up in the woods. I remember those moments. But there's something to be said of being lost in the woods. It can feel overwhelming. In fact, it's hard sometimes when you're in the woods to see through it. It can almost seem like the, the trees around you are taking up all of your viewpoints. You, you can't see through them. You can't, uh, it seems like you're being overwhelmed by them. And today I want to talk about this idea of strongholds. And I, I want you to grab a hold of this word picture you see on the screen, and, and, and it's this word picture of like, almost like trees around you, the stronghold around you, things that have grown up around you. Maybe the, some of the strongholds that you're facing right now are, are things that you were taught as a young child. Maybe they're things you observed. Maybe they're things you experienced. But these strongholds have crept into your life throughout the years and what has happened is 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 they've actually begun to choke out your vision they've actually begun to force you to not be able to see through the circumstances that you feel as though you're facing i love the heart of jesus that we read upon the pages of Scripture, a, a heart that really speaks to something, and, and this one thing in particular it speaks to is, is that of freedom. You see, God has called you and I to live lives of freedom, not lives bound in slavery, in strongholds. A major part of Jesus' ministry was that of freedom. In fact, when we look at how Jesus' public ministry began, we would see that Jesus finds himself, uh, after a miracle is performed right after that, he actually finds himself going to the temple. In the temple, he grabs the scroll and he begins to read from the scroll. And, and as he's reading from the scroll, he's reading from Isaiah 61. And he says this, he says in Isaiah 61, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's reading this familiar passage of scripture but he's literally making a declaration of who he is he says the spirit of the lord is upon me and because he has anointed me to do what to proclaim good news can, can i just tell you i have good news for you this morning it was good news that was being declared during that worship gathering during those moments when tina was over here and she said i just 
feel like the Lord is saying, I love you. Some of you needed to hear that. That's good news. There's good news that you need to hear today that Jesus Christ is crazy, madly in love with you. And what Jesus is saying as his public ministry is beginning, he is, he is declaring to them, listen, I have come with a purpose. My purpose is to bring about freedom. He goes on to say this. He says, he sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Notice some things in there. Proclaim freedom. That's part of the good news. Recovery of sight. Some of us have been bound by the, the circumstances in front of us. We can't even see through things because it feels as though the stronghold has been put in front of us. And then he says to set free the oppressed. To set free those who would find themselves being oppressed by maybe thoughts, maybe circumstances, maybe, you know, that's just the way you were brought up and you feel oppressed by those things. Can I, can I just declare some good news to you? The good news is, is Jesus came to set you free. The good news is, is you can have freedom in Christ. The good news is, is today's going to be a message where you need to give me a little bit of back, okay? So like, I'm, I'm looking for a little bit more back from you, some agreement. I know some of you are like, we don't do that. I know. Just give me a little something, even if it's just a, mmm. I'll even take that. The beauty of the cross is, is that the cross allowed you and I to have freedom, freedom from strongholds. Freedom from sin. Freedom from things that would try to entangle us. Acts 10.38 speaks of this freedom. And it says, it says, it talks about how God was anointed. He anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. See, the key to Jesus' ministry, the key to, to what was happening in Jesus' life is that the Lord had anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. You see, the, the Holy Spirit has been given to us as believers not for just personal satisfaction or gratification in our lives. It's not just so you can check off the box and say I'm spirit-filled. It's not just so that you can just pray for yourself. It's not just so that you can have freedom yourself. No, no, it's so you can walk in freedom and give it to others. Like you've actually been called by God to walk in the freedom that he has encouraged you in your life. That's why it says this. He goes on to say how we, he went around doing good. So Jesus is going around, he's doing good. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's upon him. He's received power. And then it says this, and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Now listen, Jesus had a ministry that some of us don't really necessarily like all that much. He had a deliverance ministry. See, some of us, we hear that word deliverance, and you're like, man, like, that's just where freaky stuff happens. You know, like, deliverance is like when you're praying for someone or something happens, and it's like the horror movie, and their head turns around, you know, like, like, that's, like that's the kind of deliverance that comes to many of our minds. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about how Jesus came and set people free from bondage. He set people free from strongholds. He set people free from things that they were facing. See, Jesus had a ministry of deliverance. And the truth is, is all of us probably need to be delivered from something. Some of us have some stinking thinking that we need to be delivered from. Some of us have some addictions in our lives we need to be delivered from. Some of us have created some bad habits we need to be delivered from. We all have something. We all have things that we need freedom from. 
1 John 3, 8 says this, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Now listen, can I, can I just tell you something? There is a real enemy. Now we don't talk about him a whole lot because he's a loser. He has lost. You may go, that's not very nice for you to say. Listen, he is the enemy. He has aligned himself not against me. He's aligned himself against God. He's aligned himself against God, and I have been created in the image of God. Therefore, he has aligned himself against me. He wants to destroy my life. He is not my friend. There's not going to be some big party one day down in hell with all those who didn't receive Jesus. No, it is not going to be a party that you want to be a part of. I'm telling you, there is a real enemy. He seeks to destroy your life. Now, I know we have all seen the cartoons and think, you know, like you have a little angel on one side and a little devil on the other side. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a guy who's really crafty, who comes in and begins to whisper lies. See, that's what his number one tactic for you is, is to get you to believe lies. Lies about who you are. Lies about what you've done. Lies about the fact that God could never use you. Last week, we were talking about this idea of never quitting. If you missed that message, I would encourage you, man. It was a great message, not just because I spoke it, but it was just good. But we were encouraging you just to never quit. Just never quit. Never quit. We were coming off a three-day corporate day of prayer and fasting, and, and we'd had a week in between it just because of the calendar, and just we had to cancel the gathering week before, but... But we were coming off of that, and one of the things that we were coming off of is this time of corporate prayer and fasting. Can I just say, there is something powerful when God's people will pray, when God's people will spend time fasting. Like, I believe that there are breakthroughs that happen. Joel chapter 2, verse 12 says this, Even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Now, a lot of us are like, I don't want to weep. I don't want to mourn. But I, I will say this, after you've spent three days fasting, someone comes walking in with a big old pizza or something, there's a little bit of weeping and mourning. There's a moment where you're like, oh, man. But it's even more than that. It says here, the Lord declares, return to me with all your heart. See, what fasting does is it denies the heart. It denies the flesh. It says, no, no, I'm going to put my attention and focus on God because he's worth it right now. I'm going to put everything, not only my attention and focus, but I'm literally going to take the time that I would be spending time eating. I'm going to give that to the Lord. Some of you, man, one of the things you did was some of you, you fasted for the first time. And can I just say to you, great job. See, because the enemy came in, and what he did is you fasted a meal, and the enemy came in, and you didn't fast that night. And he was like, see, you can't even do three days. And he started condemning you and putting all this stuff. Can I just celebrate with you? Man, if you spent one time, you did one time of fasting, can I just celebrate with you? Come on. Like, that is something to celebrate. Because that's a step in your relationship. Some of you are like, I, Pastor Brian, I, I thought a lot about it. I thought a lot about fasting. You had a half a step. You kind of lifted your foot, and you were there, and we'll celebrate that next time you'll put the foot down, like that you'll actually kind of do that step. Because why? Listen, I'm not, 
my goal is not to create a legalistic environment where it's like, I can't believe you didn't do that. No, my goal is just to help you take your next step. You see, God is always asking us to return to him. The Father has arms open for you and I, and he's asking us to humble ourselves. But if you look a few verses later, and I love this, if you look a few verses later there in Joel, if you look at verse 25, it says this, the Lord says, I will give you back what you lost. How many of you want God to give back some things you've lost? Come on. Like there are some things that you've lost in your life, but God is saying, listen, I will give them back to you. This week I was in Atlanta for a few days and was coaching some pastors. I do it three times a year where, where three times throughout the year I will go. and The first two are in Atlanta. The other one is in Florida. And um, so I will go there and, and I work with 14 pastors from around the country. And then we're joined by other pastors who are part of Next Level Coaching and we all come together. There was 110 pastors that were represented there. And we're sitting in this room and and God just really began speaking some things to my heart that week. I mean, like he was energized, like fueling me up. Like it's interesting how when you're giving out, how God's like, no, let me just give back into you. And, and there was just so many of those moments. And, and I'm sitting there on one of the evenings, and, and we were actually had a time of prayer and, 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 and just setting kind of the atmosphere. And, and Pastor Matt, uh, who's a mentor in my life, he just said, you know, he had shared the story out of Acts, and in Acts chapter 1, it talks about how they are trying to, f or basically put into place um, a spot to fill the, one of the apostles, who was Judas, who actually had, or had betrayed Christ, and then he, then he actually uh, hung himself. And so they're like, we got to replace that role for him. And so they go and they say, choose from among us people who have been with us since the beginning with Jesus, and they come up with two names, Matthew, Matthias and Joseph. And what's interesting is you look at both those guys, uh, you see that as they cast lots, so they allowed God to kind of speak into the moment, but in, in some ways it kind of seemed like chance. I know God can allow and take those moments, but, but they cast lots, and, um, and one of them was picked and one of them wasn't. And here's where, here's where I'm going with this. I'm sitting there, and the question that Matt asked all of us but it felt like God was asking me this. Says, Brian, would you be okay if you didn't get picked? That, they said no. <laughs> would, you, would you be okay if you didn't get picked, Brian? Like, what if, what if you didn't get picked for that promotion at work? Are you okay with that? What, what if you didn't get picked for, for that thing that, that was happening in your, in, in your family? What if, what if you didn't get picked? What, what would your response be in a moment of not being picked for something? Would you, would you take your mind and your thoughts captive, or would you, would you begin, why? well, why? I wonder why they got picked. I wonder why they got blessed. See, I've, I've grown up in the church, and this is what I've seen. I've seen God's people being blessed, and other people sitting around going, I can't believe they got blessed. They must have cheated the system. They must have done something here, because we start second-guessing the blessing of everyone else because they got picked and we didn't. But what God challenged my heart to is he said, Brian, I'm looking for you regardless of whether I pick you or not to serve me. You see, when those two were picked from among them, it was those who had served well and had been with Jesus. So what did Joseph probably go back to? Probably serving. You know, his name is never mentioned from that point on. 
Like you never see it being mentioned from that point on. But there was something that happened in his life where he went back and said, you know what, I'm going to take my mind captive and I'm going to realize that if I will give God my best, he'll give back to me. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. It says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. Now think about that for a minute. The weapons you and I use are not of this world. The battle that you and I are facing is not what you're always thinking. Sometimes, sometimes we think, well, the battle is with my spouse, or the battle is with my kids, or the battle is with my workplace, or this or that, some peace out there. But really, the, the Word of God tells us we live in this world, but we do not wage war, war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. But then it says this. It says, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish what? Demolish what? Strongholds. Hmm. Strongholds. Maybe strongholds in your emotions. Strongholds in your relationships. Strongholds like an addiction. A stronghold like a habit or stronghold like anger or, or spending or lust or or, or your mind, or your thoughts. I mean, the list could go on and on. It's a stronghold. It's something that you haven't been able to shake no matter what. And the next few weeks, we're going to be really digging into this idea of strongholds. And, and this week, we're going to look at lies that have become strongholds in our, in our lives because we've begun to believe them. Next week, we're going to look um, together. Oh, my goodness. We're going to be looking together at uh, the stronghold. Huh? Addictions. Thank you. Man. Just had one of those moments publicly in front of everybody. How embarrassing. Actually, I don't care. <laughs> um, no, next week we're going to be talking about addictions. Because some of us are facing some addictions in our lives that have become strongholds. And I'm believing next week God is going to set some people free. And, if, and, and maybe for you, you're like, man, there's someone that comes to mind that you're like, man, I know they've been battling addictions in their life for quite some time. I'm going to encourage you, invite them next week. Invite them. Say, hey, you can sit right by me. We'll grab coffee together. We'll go out to lunch afterwards, something. Like, just get them here. We're going to talk about the next week. We're going to be talking about um, sexual addictions. Some of you are like, oh, no, nah, no. Nah. We don't want to be talking about any of that up here in the church. Well, here's the thing. If we don't talk about it, the world is definitely talking about it. And we need to talk about how God has a plan and how the world has a plan, and those two are not lining up. And the church has got to stop being silent on sexuality, and we need to be vocal on it. So we'll talk about that. And listen, if you've got kids, don't worry. We have a great kids' ministry. That's where you need to put them. Some of the teenagers are like, I am going down to work in kids' ministry this next week. No, it'll be all right, because you need to hear it. Because if at the average age they say that a kid is introduced to, well, I won't even get into all that. Sixth grade, though. Sixth grade is when that stuff's happening. And the next week we'll talk about financial strongholds and things in your life. So. But let me, let me continue to share this with you because the Scripture doesn't end with just the, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. But listen, it actually goes to this as well. It says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Think about that. There are arguments. There are people who will argue against those things. 
And pretension would be things that we've almost pretended, like it's almost imaginary things that we've begun to find ourselves being enslaved to that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. So what do we do? And this is the key today. This is, this is the one thing, if you could walk out of here with, it's that we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Listen, some of us in this room, your problem is not the things around you you're facing. It is your thoughts. You are letting your mind run amok. You're letting your thoughts go crazy. You're sitting there, you're thinking of things, and you're allowing things to be formulated in your mind that aren't even there. You start second-guessing everyone. I don't even think they like me. Your mind's playing tricks on you because you're not taking captive your thought. Years ago, years ago, Kasha, when I used to travel um, a lot actually back then, Kasha would watch CSI. You guys remember like CSI, like all those CSI crime unit movies and stuff? And so here's the thing. Kasha was not taking her thoughts captive. She's watching that stuff. And so when I would travel, she would get all freaked out. She'd start hearing noises around the house. She'd be like, oh my goodness, someone's here. Someone's here, I know they are. So she's sleeping in the bed with a gun underneath it, a baseball bat, a big old Bowie knife. I mean, like, that's how she's sleeping at night because she was not taking captive her thought. And so she's sitting there allowing these things to be created. It was, it was our dog. It wasn't even, it wasn't anything, like, it, it, it was just, you know, noises for outside. But isn't it crazy how when we don't take our thoughts captive, where our mind goes? And then when we've been putting in stuff like that, then your mind even goes to that kind of stuff. Some of you, maybe you love horror movies. I don't understand it, but can I just say, I don't think that's good stuff to be bringing in. I see and hear of things and I go, man, who could ever even think of that? And then who could ever enjoy that? Like, that is messed up stuff. Take your thoughts captive. Because here's what you and I have to understand is that if we don't take our thoughts captive, then, then what, can, what happens is, is we actually build a wall, a stronghold up between the truth of who God says we are. In fact, I'll say this. I, I'll say God has truth about you that you have not believed or experienced yet. Listen, there is a truth about you today that you have not believed or you have not experienced it yet that God wants to deposit into you. Like he's looking at you, he's saying, listen, I got, I got something really good for you. But you've got to take captive your thoughts You've got to stop believing the lies of the enemy because these strongholds are there. Now, what is a stronghold? Well, we'll say this. A stronghold, by definition, is a prisoner who's locked by a deception. See, what you don't realize is, is you're actually a prisoner locked by your deception. Some of that deception comes from things people have spoken over you since you were a kid. Some of it is things that you've spoken over yourself. But it's deception. It is a lie. It is not from the Lord. It is something that sets itself up contrary to truth in your life. It goes on to say this, a, a life living by something that is not true. Now, I know it feels true. And I know that it feels like it has power over you. But I'm here to tell you today that God has a different truth for you. That he desires to set you free from that stronghold. I've shared this illustration in the past, but 
Think about an elephant for a moment. Like they, they talk about how a baby elephant will be you know, in the circus and they'll put just a small little chain around that elephant when they're small, a rope even. And that baby elephant will try to get away, but it won't be able to because at that point in time in their life, they're not stronger than that. But as they begin to grow older, they have all the strength in the world to be able to rip that thing out. But they don't. Why? Because it's been trained to believe that that thing has power over it. That little rope. Now, can I just encourage you with something this morning? Listen, you may think that that has power over you. That's just how our family is. That's just, that's just the curse of being a, a Henley. That's just the curse of this. No, 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 no. Take that thought captive and say, no, that is not of the Lord. Beth Moore in her book, Praying God's Word, she describes a stronghold as this. She says, it's anything that exalts itself in our minds pretending to be bigger or more powerful than our God. Think about it. What are the things in your life right now that are pretending to be bigger and more powerful than God? What are the lies that are there that are being spoken over? See, the devil has power, but he ain't got no authority. You have the authority over the enemy. Yeah, he's got some power out there, but, but he has no authority. He has no authority over the things that you're facing. So here's some symptoms of some strongholds. And, and a guy by the name of Chris Hodges, he's a pastor, he, he was sharing some of these, and, and he really inspired a lot of, of what I'm sharing, getting ready to share here. But I want to I share with you just symptoms of a stronghold in your life. And you'll see these as they unfold and how they kind of make sense. First of all, is, is, is this is a symptom of a stronghold. First of all, it steals our focus. It steals our focus. Think about it for a minute. Something that's become a stronghold in your life, it steals your focus. It's the only thing you think about. You go to work, and the first thing that's in your mind is you're like, man, I can't wait to get home to do X, Y, Z, or this to happen. It's stealing your focus. People look at you and say, man, you just don't seem all that focused. It's because you have a stronghold in your life that's stealing your focus. And once it begins to steal your focus, it then leads to the second one. It causes us to feel controlled. We start feeling like we're being controlled by this stronghold in our life. And, and for many of us, it's a lie. It's a lie that you've begun to focus in on, and now that lie has begun to control the way you think, the way you act, the way you respond to others, the way you live your life. It's beginning to control you, which then leads to this third one. It, it consumes your emotional energy. Come on, you've seen this with people. They're consumed by a stronghold, and it literally, they are emotionally exhausted. Because for many of them, they're trying to balance and play this game. And it's emotionally exhausting. Which leads to this next one. It distracts us from our purpose. See, God has a purpose, a plan for your life. But what happens along the way is the enemy comes in, wants to speak lies over you, wants you to get you to focus on those lies, wants you to feel controlled by those lies, wants you to have your emotional energy being, you know, consumed by it, which then actually distracts you from the purpose that God has laid out for you. And listen, some of you, the purpose that God's laid out for you, it, 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 it's to be a better husband. It's to be a better spouse. Part of the purpose is, is, to, is to be a better, better kid, to be a better worker, to be who God's called you to be. But it's not just being who God's called you to be, it's actually knowing whose you are as well. 
See, your identity should never be found in the things of who and what you do. It should be in who you are in Christ. That's your purpose. And the last symptom I want to share with you this morning is this, is, is it robs us of abundant life. See, the enemy desires to rob you. He's not your friend. He doesn't have anything good for you. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26 says this, they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. So the, the devil wants to trap you, but God wants to set you free. So how do you overcome strongholds? Let me share with you three ways of how you and I can overcome strongholds. Because here's what I know, is all of us have strongholds of some type in our life. Luke chapter 11, verse 21, from the message translation says this, when a strong man, it gives us this word picture, when a strong man armed to the teeth stands guard in his front yard, his property is safe and sound. So picture that for a minute. A, a, a guy, he's, he's strong, he's, he's, he's there, he's there to protect his stuff, like he's there to keep things safe. But then it continues to read this. It says, but what if a stronger man comes along with superior weapons? What happens then to the man who thought he could handle it all himself? What happens then to the woman who thought she could handle it all herself? I don't need God. I, I, listen, I can do this on my own. I'm strong enough. I, I, I've got enough, you know, determination. I've got enough, I've got enough strength to be able to handle the things I'm going to face. I don't need anyone else's help. But then someone comes along who's stronger with more superior weapons. It goes on to say this. It says, then he's beaten at his own game. The arsenal that gave him such confidence hauled off and his precious possessions plundered. See, the enemy wants to beat you at your own game. He wants to destroy your life. He wants you to think that you can handle it all yourself. So that when he comes along, you don't have God on your side. You're just doing it yourself. So how do we overcome strongholds? Let me share this first principle with you. First is this, is take back your thought life. See, some of you need to take back your thought life. And, and, and I'll say this, it's a daily, if not moment-by-moment moment process. <laughs> I, was, I was telling the first gathering, this first gathering, there was a piano that was right over here, a keyboard, and there was a chair. And the chair was from, um, they had done a human video practice, and so it was up here on stage, and, and the piano was, and it was all up there during worship, it was all up there during the gathering, and uh, when I first came in, I, I literally was sitting right down there by Kasha, and I, I looked up there, and I said, oh, are you serious? Like, the chair is up there on stage. Like, I, and, like, my mind immediately goes to that, right? The music's getting ready to start. Like, we're getting ready to go into time of worship, and I'm down there, and my thoughts are, I can't believe they left the chair on the stage. 
I can't believe the piano's up there, you know? Like, what are we having, like, you know, karaoke piano? Like, you can just come up there and just hop on it. No one's going to play it. Like, is it a ghost piano? Like, what's the deal? Like, all these things are going through my mind. And, and then the worship music starts, and Pastor Casey starts us off. And literally, you know what I had to do? I had to take my thoughts captive. Because the reality of it was, is most people in the room didn't even notice the chair was up there, didn't even care that the piano had no one at it. The only one who really cared was me and a few other staff members. But I had to take my thoughts captive in that moment because for me, even though I'm the pastor, I'm getting ready, like, there are things that are always going to try to take my attention and my focus off of the things that God is trying to do in my life. That's why you and I have to take back our thought life because your mind will play tricks on you. Your mind will try to get you to focus on things that are not important. You and I have got to take back our thought lives. Romans chapter 8 verse 5 says this, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit Think about things that please the Spirit. So think about that. The things that we dwell on, the things that we're thinking on, are the things that we then begin to do in our life. It says this, if your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. But the Holy Spirit controls your mind, and there is life and peace. So if your sinful nature controls your mind, there's death. I don't think we want death. But if we allow the Holy Spirit to control our mind, then there's life and peace. See, the reason why some of us aren't experiencing peace in our lives right now is because you have not taken your thoughts captive. Take back your thoughts. Take back your thoughts. Stop letting them just run out there and take them back and say, no, no, God, I'm giving these thoughts over to you. Romans 12, 2 few chapters later says this don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you what the way you think God wants to change the way you think the way you and I process through things and so you and I are being called to take back our thought life. You want to overcome that stronghold in your life? You want to overcome that stronghold of a lie that you've been believing for your whole life? Listen, take back your thought life. Because if you and I never change, see, our lives will never change until we change the way we think. Your life will never change until you change the way you think. We talked about never quitting last week. A lot of that happens right up here. You being determined to say, I am not going to quit. I am not going to allow my life to be dictated by these thoughts. No, I'm going to take captive my thoughts. I'm going to take them back. The second thing is, is, is you've got to identify the lie. Identify the lie. What's the lie that you've been believing for so long? Some of you, it's a lie from your childhood. Some of it's a lie from a spouse, a friend. Someone else spoke something over you. Maybe some of it's a lie that you began believing yourself and no one ever even said it. You just started thinking that way. You've got to identify the lie. Now here's, here's what I know about lies. 
is lies come from one place. That's a source. His, his plan is always to lie to you and I. In fact, he's known as the father of lies. John 8, talks about it. It says, when the devil lies, he speaks his native tongue. That means it's like, that's, that's just how he talks. For he is a liar and the father of lies. What's the lie you've been believing? What's the lie that he's been speaking over you? Listen, I know for some single people, he's been speaking some things over your life. You're never going to find that right person. No one's ever going to love you in that way. You're not good enough. You're not this enough. It's lies. And what happens is you start believing those lies, and then you start acting out on those lies. And so then anytime someone, you know, comes into your life, you're like, oh, no, 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 that's just... Or you just, you're clamoring and you're just taking whatever you can get, which is the opposite of it. You think that you're not worthy of anything, and so you let some joker come in. I'm talking to a lot of the ladies in the house and some of these fellows, you need to get your act together. But it's like, come on, like, stop. Stop settling. See, when we expose the lie, what happens is, is we defeat the liar. In Atlanta, when I was talking with the pastors, we literally had gone out to eat one night and we were talking about this subject and we were literally saying, listen, the enemy's tactics are still the same. He is a liar. I can't remember what TV show or movie it was on. Liar! I think it was Princess Bride. Wasn't it on Princess Bride on there? Didn't she say that? Liar! Liar! You lie! Anyways, now I became like, anyways, I don't even know it. That's my ADD. See, about this time, see, the privilege you have is around the, the second time I'm in the gathering. My ADD is in full swing. Jesus, help me. I don't have ADHD. That's a lie. No, it feels like, it, it feels like I really do. Um, anyways, um, identify the lie. Third is this, is replace the lie with God's truth. Replace the lie with God's truth. See, there is nothing too difficult with God. There is nothing bigger or more powerful than God. Nothing. There is nothing more bigger, more powerful than God. Like God has a plan, he has a purpose. So what you and I have to do is we have to replace the lies that we've been believing for quite some time with God's truth. What does God's word say? You know why we talk about soaping all the time? It's because what we're doing is we're engaging in God's word so that we can see what God is then speaking over our lives. That's the power of the scriptures, is that lies will come up, and when we're engaging in God's word on a regular basis, what happens is, is we read it and we go, oh, wait, that's a lie. That, that, that's setting itself up contrary to what God says over me. That's why we're always daily engaging in God's word. Now, the reason why we read the same thing together is because that way we can share God's truth together with one another so we can go out and be like, man, no, 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 wait, listen. This is what God's word says. Yesterday, Matthew chapter one, we were in there, we're reading through the genealogy of Christ, and I sat downstairs um, in, in our first uh, board meeting, one of the things I said with, with all the guys, I said, listen, we can read through the names of those who are part of the genealogy of Christ, and we can look at them and go, oh, that person lived for God, they did really well, and then we can get to another guy, his name is still listed, but he did not live well. And I said, here's the thing you and I have to realize this, is in Bethany Assembly, there has been a list of deacons' names and board members throughout the years. And you can look at them and go, oh, they led well, they did well. And you can look at others and you go, oh, not so good. 
And I said, you have an opportunity to determine what your name looks like in that list. What is your name going to look like? How are you going to live your life? And I would encourage you with this. What, how are you going to live your life? What will people say of you one day? Well, they say, oh, now that person right there, man, they love Jesus. But they were crazy about Jesus. Replace the lie with God's truth. Ephesians 6.10 says this, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Listen, the devil has schemes. He's a liar. He's coming at you with lies. But look what it says. This next one says, Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray. The key is given to you and I. We can be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. We can put on the full armor of God so that we can take our stand against the devil's schemes, against the lies, all that kind of stuff. But then we're to take the sword of the Spirit, and then it tells us what that is. It's the word of God, and pray. So what are our weapons in overcoming strongholds? Real simple. The word of God and prayer. It's simple. Pastor Brian, is it really that simple? Yes, it really is that simple. The word of God and prayer. It will change everything. See, when I think about some of the lies that you've been believing, I think back to the word of God and I think back to prayer. How are you going to get set free from those lies? The word of God and prayer. What's it going to look like for you to be set free from lies that have been spoken over your life for a long time? The word of God and prayer. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do across this room. If you could just bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. talked about taking every thought captive we've talked about identifying the lies we've talked about replacing the lies with God's word with his truth Father I ask that right now across this room as individuals find themselves in a, in a posture of saying I'm going to put my attention and my focus on you I'm asking that you would speak to people's hearts and lives right now. Holy Spirit, I know that, that you can do a much, much, much better job than I could ever do. So I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to the hearts and lives of people across this room right now. God, may hope begin to rise up. May peace begin to flood their minds and their hearts. May new life begin to flood over them. Father, let them know that they are loved. Father, I ask that right now you would help them to identify lies that they've been believing. 
lies that have been affecting their, their life, they've become a stronghold. God, help people across this room, God, within the sound of my voice, those watching even online, God, to, to acknowledge right now, God, to realize the lies that they've been believing. Identify them with them. And now, Father, that you've identified many of those lies in their lives, I pray, God, that you would then just replace it with truth. God, that they would take those lies and they would cast them to the side and say, no, that's not who I am. I'm not going to allow that to be spoken over my life. I'm not just a product of an environment. No, I am a son. I am a daughter of the King of Kings. I will no longer believe these lies. I will no longer believe and allow those things to be spoken over me. God, restore what the enemies tried to steal. I sense in my spirit right now that maybe there are some of you who who there's been lies that have been spoken over you and, and, and one of those first lies is this, is that the enemy's been saying that God can't love you the way you are. That that you've messed up too much. Part of the lie has been that you can't have a relationship with God and you don't even really fully even understand what that even means, but the enemy's been saying, you, that's not for you. But God right now is wanting you to know something. He's saying, no, that is for you. He came to earth and died upon a cross in your place so you could have freedom. And that's truth. The truth is, is God is crazy, madly in love with you. The truth is, is he has a plan and purpose for you. The truth is, is that there's nothing that you've done that causes you to be too far gone, to be unforgivable. No, 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 he, he can and will forgive you right where you are. And since there's an atmosphere right now of just, just allowing God to do something in us, let me just ask a quick question. Maybe today you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you're wondering what that would look like and, and you're willing to cast aside those lies that the enemy's been speaking. You're saying, no, no, I, I want to be a part of the family. I, I want to be a part of the family of God. I, I, I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to have, I, I have a changed life. I need that. I, I just know it. I know that I need that. And you've never asked Jesus into your life. You, you've never come to that moment of saying, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Change my life. I know how to pray a real simple prayer with you, and others will pray along with you. And I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm just going to ask you to uh, just real quickly, just to raise your hand. If that's you today, you'd say, you know what, that's me. I need to have, I need to take that step today in my relationship with God. If that's you, would you just real quickly just raise your hand? You just say, that's that's me. I see that hand right there. I see that hand. Let's just pray with those who have raised their hand this morning. Would you? 
would you all repeat this prayer along with them? Would you say, Jesus, right now, I need you. Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you change my life? From this moment forward, I acknowledge that you are Lord of my life. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Look up here at me real quick, everyone, real quick. Here's what I know about liars. They don't stop. They just keep. And the enemy's going to come and he's going to keep speaking lies over you. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to encourage you to get into God's word. To put yourself in the midst of the story. You're going to be reading here as we're soap, and you're going to be looking at the life of Jesus. And as you're reading along those pages, put yourself right there in the story. And remember that he did it for you. And allow that truth to be spoken over your life. And take those lies and replace them with that. And then also spend time praying, saying, God, I pray that you would take my mind and that you would, that you would grab a hold of it and that you would replace it with your truth. Because the enemy is a liar, but God has truth that he is speaking over your life. And he has a great plan for you and a great purpose. Do you believe that? Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you guys.